everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Think Curiously podcast mini-series, The Weekly Stoic. Now, this week, I've decided to take three separate pages from the book, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, and explain my journey with them. If you believe in all that kind of predetermined theory where things are meant for you and they don't go past you and all that kind of stuff, well, maybe that was the case this week with the three pages that I read at the very, very start of the week. They're actually in sequential order, and uh, it's quite interesting and I hope that you get something from it and I hope that it comes across how much um, they actually impacted upon me because of all of my readings so far up to this point, uh, I think we start in the January the 15th and up to this point, they have been bits and pieces that have meant a little bit, but maybe not too much or maybe something that I've read previously so that when I've read it again, it kind of reinforced the issue but didn't really hit home. This week, I suppose in many ways, I've, I've had my epiphany moment when it com- comes to the Stoic philosophy, um, particularly of, I think maybe because how it's written to in the book and how I felt as if it was relatable to me. And then obviously whenever I sat down and thought about it um, and then my actions throughout the week kind of concurred with it, it became a lot more succinct in my decision-making, I suppose. And um, yeah, so I hope that you get something from it, like I said, and um, you enjoy it. So here we go. So we start this week as where we left off last week. We looked at Marcus Aurelius and his story and his background. So we're going to take a look at Epictetus this week. And I'm sure if you've read the book or you've maybe done some Googling or researching since last week's episode, you might have come across someone called Epictetus. Now, Epictetus was born into slavery. Ephrodites, who was Epictetus' owner, was a cruel, twisted man, even by Roman standards. The later Christian writers would tell us that Epictetus' master was violent and depraved, And at one point, he twisted Epictetus' leg with all of his might. Was it for punishment? Was it a sick pleasure? Was it a wrestling match? Trying to get some kind of disobedient young kid to follow his instructions? Well, we don't actually know, but all we hear is that Epictetus calmly warned him about taking it too far. When the leg snapped, Epictetus made no sound. He uttered no tears. He smiled and looked at his master and said, Didn't I warn you? And for the rest of his life, Epictetus would walk with a limp, but Epictetus remained unbroken by the incident. He once said that lameness is an impediment to the leg, but not the will. Epictetus would choose to see his disability as only a physical impairment. And it was in fact the idea of choice that defined the core of his philosophical beliefs. Life was like a play, he used to say. And if it was the playwright's pleasure, you should act a poor man, a cripple, a governor or a private person See that you acted naturally, for this is your business, to act well the character assigned you. And so he did. Epictetus didn't allow his physical disability to prevent him from thinking deeply about life and eventually producing a school of thought and philosophy that would forever outlive his own existence. Law established by Augustus in 4 AD determined that slaves could not be freed before the 30th birthday. Epictetus didn't actually obtain his freedom until shortly after the death of the Emperor Nero. He chose to dedicate himself fully to philosophy and taught in Rome for nearly 25 years, until the Emperor Domitian famously banished all philosophers in Rome. Epictetus fled to Nicopolis in Greece, where he founded a philosophy school and taught until his death. So now we're a little bit more accustomed to who Epictetus was and his life and how it laid out for him. 
as I continue my Stoic philosophy, and with every page that I read of the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, of course, the book upon which this podcast is based, I find myself relating to more and more of its teachings, comparing my life experiences to the words of Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, and others on a daily basis. It's almost as if the water is becoming just that little less blurry or muddier, depending on how you look at that phrase, and I'm only 22 days in at this point. So I wanted to pick up on three teachings in particular that have jumped out at me this week. The first is titled, Peace Isn't Staying in the Course, and it's from page 23, dated 15th of January. Seneca once said that tranquility can't be grasped except by those who have reached an unwavering and firm power of judgment. The rest constantly fall and rise in their decisions, wavering in a state of alternately, rejecting and accepting things. What is this cause of back and forth? It's because nothing is clear and they rely on the most uncertain guide the common opinion. In Seneca's essay on tranquility, he uses the Greek word ephemia, which he defines as believing in yourself and trusting that you're on the right path, and not being in any doubt by following the myriad of footpaths of those wandering in every direction. It's as if this is a state of mind, he says, that produces tranquility. Clarity of vision allows us to have this belief. That's not to say that we're going to be 100% certain of everything, or that even we should be. Rather, it's that we can trust and rest assured we're heading generally in the right direction and that we don't need to constantly compare ourselves with others or change our mind every three seconds based on new information. Instead, tranquility and peace are found in identifying our own path and in sticking to it, staying the course, making judgments here and there naturally, but ignoring the distracting sirens who beacon us towards the rock. You see, there's been times over the past week where I've kind of felt overwhelmed by the level of attention and interaction that the podcast has been receiving. And although grateful, there's still that little bit of self-doubt that lingers. And I spoke about this recently with a friend of mine, Darren Wallace, on the Changemakers Project, where we talked about imposter syndrome. It's almost like no, no amount of success or no amount of people giving you positive feedback has the same effect that just that one negative comment has. And it was through somebody else who I I had heard the opinion of a different person on the podcast. That just wasn't as positive as what others have been. And of course, not everybody is going to be positive about it, right? We're not all going to, we don't think alike, we don't have the same interests. And I totally understand that. But it's almost as if whilst you have that positive feedback, just that little bit of negativity sort of strikes at confidence and self-belief, almost like a spear directly to the center of it. It, it almost increases the focus for whatever reason. And I'd be the one that would say that, you know, you shouldn't really care what anybody else thinks, but that's very, very difficult to do in many ways when you have something that's so public. When we go to January the 16th, we encounter a new Stoic philosopher as Mausonius Rufus. He's not new, obviously, but he's new to us in our story. And he once said that, In the majority of other things, we address circumstances not in accordance with the right assumptions but mostly by following wretched habit. Since all that I have said is the case, the person in training must seek to rise above, so as to stop seeking out pleasure and steering away from pain, to stop clinging to living and abhorring death, and in the case of property and money, to stop valuing receiving or giving. A worker is asked, why did you do it this way? The answer, because that's the way it's always been done. This answer frustrates every good boss and sets the mouth of every entrepreneur watering. 
The worker has stopped thinking and is mindlessly operating out of habit. The business is ripe for disruption by a competitor and the worker will probably get fired by any thinking boss. We should apply the same ruthlessness to our own habits. In fact, we are studying philosophy precisely to break ourselves out of root behaviour. Find what you do out of root behaviour or routine. Ask yourself, is this really the best way to do it? Know why you do what you do and do it for the right reasons. You may or may not be aware or even have heard the phrase before that this is the way it's always been done as being described as the most dangerous phrase in the English language and I would tend to agree. It was a few years ago I had the pleasure of attending a workshop on coaching practices organised by Sport NI and one of the guest speakers was the then performance director of Irish Rugby, David Nusifora, and I've spoken about this plenty of times before and I think I might have mentioned it in previous episodes of the main podcast but he asked a question that has struck with me ever since. Are the traditions of your sport putting a handbrake on progress? Now, if you remove the word sport, you can begin to ask that same question of society, the place that you work, and your perceptions. And for me, this week, I stepped outside of my comfort zone. I moved away from the traditional approach of podcasting and presented my first ever live podcast episode using Facebook Live. Now, as nerve-wracking as it was, I actually felt liberated and inspired to do more after I'd done it. So in many ways, what I'm saying is that by stepping outside of my comfort zone and doing something a little bit different, it opened my eyes to the possibilities that lie within my reach. And if I had just stuck with the, let's pre-record this on audio, let's do some post-production on it, put it out there and make it nice and crisp and professional, then I probably wouldn't have seen all of the parts that I need to improve on in terms of my presenting, in terms of my understanding of technical skill and all of that. And it was when I read that page Uh, that I thought, you know, this could potentially be possible. I could potentially do this. And we will see when when we read further on, we go to the 17th of January, just really what made me physically, or subconsciously, depending how you look at it, push that button to go, right, I'm going to do this. And that brings us on to my last thinking point, I suppose, my last talking point of this week. And you find that on page 25, dated the 17th of January, titled Reboot the Real Work. And on it, Epictetus says, I am your teacher, and you are learning in my school. My aim is to bring you to completion, unhindered, free from compulsive behaviour, unrestrained, without shame, free, flourishing, and happy, looking to God in things great and small. Your aim is to learn and diligently practice all of these things. Why then don't you complete the work? If you have the right aim, and I have both the right aim and the right preparation, what is missing? The work is quite feasible and is the only thing in your power. Let go of the past. We must only begin. Believe me, and you will see. Do you remember in school or early in your life being afraid to try something because you feared you might fail at it? Most teenagers choose to fool around rather than exert themselves. Heartfelt, lazy efforts give them a ready-made excuse. It doesn't matter. I wasn't even trying. And as we get older, failure is not so inconsequential. What's at stake is something a little bit bigger, something more arbitrary than a grade or an intramural sports trophy, but the quality of your life and your ability to deal with the world around you. Don't let that intimidate you though. You have the best teachers in the world, the wisest philosophers who have ever lived. And not only are you capable, the professor is asking for something very, very simple. Just begin the work. The rest follows. 
And I suppose it was after I read that that it confirmed to me that yes, I am going to go live. I'm going to do my first ever live episode. I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to do it. I don't understand the technical ins and outs of it, but I want to learn and I want to do it. I just have to begin the work. And that's it in a nutshell. No thought, dream or aspiration, no matter how grand or revolutionary, will ever come to fruition unless you actually take action. Unless you just begin the work. And I'm certainly not saying that the live episode that I done was revolutionary in the grand context of podcasting. But to me it was. For me, it required action after thought, commitment, research and technical preparation on a level on which I had never experienced. With the words of Epictetus ringing in my ears, I decided just to begin the work. And ultimately, the rest will follow. And now we'll continue with the rest of the week's inspiration from the Daily Stoic. January 18th. See the world like a poet and an artist. Marcus Aurelius. Pass through the brief patch of time in harmony with nature, and come to your final resting place gracefully. Just as a ripe olive might drop, praising the earth that nourished it and grateful to the tree that gave it growth. There are some stunningly beautiful turns of phrases in Marcus Aurelius's meditations. A surprising treat considering the attendant audience, which at the time was just himself. In one passage, he praises the charm and allure of nature's processes. The stalks of ripe grain bending low. The frowning brow of the lion. The foam dripping from the boar's mouth. We should thank private rhetoric teacher Marcus Cornelius Fronto for the imagery that is so very vivid in this passage. Fronto, widely considered to be Rome's best orator, was chosen by Marcus's adopted father to teach Marcus to think and write and speak. More than just pretty phrases, they gave him, and now us, a powerful perspective on ordinary or seemingly unbeautiful events. It takes an artist's eye to see the end of life, is not unlike a ripe fruit falling from its tree. It takes a poet to notice the way baking bread splits in places that those cracks, while not intended in the baker's art, catch our eye and serve to stir our appetite as well as trying to find some metaphor. There is clarity and joy in seeing what others can't see, in finding grace and harmony in places others overlook. Isn't that far better than seeing the world as some dark place? And now we turn to January 19th. Wherever you go, there your choice is. Epictetus once said, A podium and a prison is each a place, one high and the other low. But in either place, Your freedom of choice can be maintained if you so wish. Now the Stoics had held all vastly different stations in life. Some were rich. Some were born at the bottom of Rome's rigid hierarchy. Some had it easy. Others had it unimaginably hard. This is true for all of us as well. We all come to philosophy from different backgrounds and even within our own lives we experience bouts of good fortune and bad fortune. But in all circumstances, adversity or advantage... We really have just one thing that we need to do. Focus on what is in our control as opposed to what is not. Right now we might be laid up or laid low with struggles. Whereas just a few years ago we might have lived the high life. And in just a few days we might be doing so well that success is actually a burden. One thing that will stay constant. Our freedom of choice. Both in the big picture and the small picture. Ultimately this is clarity. Whoever we are. Wherever we are, what matters is our choices. What are they? How will we evaluate them? How will we make them the most important things that we think about? How will we make them the most 
important things that we think about. How will we make the most of them? Those are the questions that life asks us, regardless of our station. How will you answer? January 20th, Reignite Your Thoughts by Marcus Aurelius. Your principles can't be extinguished unless you snuff out the thoughts that feed them, for it's continually in your power to reignite new ones. It's possible to start living again, seeing things as anew as you once did. This is how to restart life. Have you ever had a bad couple of weeks? Maybe you're having them right now. Have you been drifting away from the principles and beliefs that you hold so dear? It's perfectly fine. It happens to all of us. In fact, it probably happened to Marcus too. That may be why he scribbled this note to himself. Perhaps he'd been dealing with difficult senators or having difficulties with his troubled son. Perhaps in these scenarios he'd lost his temper, became depressed or stopped checking in with himself. Who wouldn't? But the reminder here is that no matter what happens, no matter how disappointing our behaviour has been in the past, the principles themselves remain unchanged. We can return and embrace them at any moment. What happened yesterday, what happened five minutes ago, is in the past. We can reignite and restart life whenever we like. So why don't you do it right now? January 21st, A Morning Ritual by Epictetus. Ask yourself the following first thing in the morning. What am I lacking in attaining freedom from passion? What for tranquility? What am I, a mere body, a state holder, or reputation? None of these things. What then, a rational being? What then is demanded of me? Meditate on your actions. How did I steer away from serenity? What did I do that was unfriendly, unsocial, or uncaring? What did I fail to do in all of these things? Many successful people have a morning ritual. For some, it's meditation. For others, it's exercise. For many, it's journaling. Just a few pages where they write down their thoughts, fears, and hopes. In these cases, the point is not as much the activity itself as it is the ritualized reflection. The idea is to take some time to look inward and examine. Taking that time is what Stoics advocated more than almost anything else. We don't know whether Marcus Aurelius wrote his meditations in the morning or at night, but we do know he carved out moments of quiet alone time and that he wrote for himself, not for anyone else. If you're looking for a place to start your own ritual, you could do worse than Marcus's example and Epictetus's checklist. Every day, starting today, ask yourself the same questions. Let philosophy and hard work guide you to better answers, one morning at a time over the course of your life. Thank you once again for listening to this mini-series, The Weekly Stoic. It would be fantastic if you could like, share, comment, or retweet across all of our social media platforms so that we can spread our reach and hopefully we can get more people involved in understanding, researching, and living the Stoic lifestyle.